This is The Big Question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church and to be at peace with the mysteries that we can't explain. I'm Pastor Mark, your host, and in this episode we have questions from Caleb F., Emmeline, Stephen, Susanna, and Lydia. First, we'll tackle a few serious questions, then we'll look at this episode's big question, and we'll wrap things up at the end with a few fun questions. Let's start with our serious questions. Our first question comes from Caleb F., who asks, What does the number seven represent in the Bible? Caleb, anyone who reads the Bible quickly discovers that the numbers used in Scripture have special meaning. The number seven is probably the best example of this. In Genesis, God creates the world in six days. Then, on the seventh day, he rests. But did you know that in Hebrew, there are seven words in the first sentence of Genesis? And did you know that because Hebrew was spelled with only consonants and not vowels, the word for seven looked the same as the word for complete or full? They used the same consonants, and this points to their special connection. Seven is the number of completion or fullness in the Bible. You'll sometimes hear people call it the number of perfection. But that's perfection in the sense of wholeness or completeness. Another word we use for wholeness is shalom or peace, which is associated with rest. God rested on the seventh day, and indeed the fourth commandment calls us to rest on the day of rest too. The reason God rested was that he had completed his work. Every Sunday when we rest from our work and worship him, we rejoice in God's finished work of salvation and the wholeness that will come when Christ returns. And now Emmeline asks, If heaven is forever, will every day be the same as the last? No, Emmeline, I don't think so. This makes everlasting life sound bad, like one of those movies where someone has to repeat the same day over and over until they get it right. That's not what everlasting life will be like. In the new heavens and earth, life will be full and rich and fascinating and full of wonder. It won't be dull. It won't be a monotonous bore that you eventually get tired of. So when you hear the word everlasting or eternal or forever, these are just ways of saying that the glory of the life to come won't ever come to an end. In this life, we're always having to remind ourselves that the good times won't last forever. Nothing lasts forever, we say. In the new life, it won't be like that at all. It will be just the opposite. And I don't think that will ever get old. Now it's time for the big question. Our big question this week comes from Stephen. Let's give Stephen a round of applause. Here's Stephen's question. Is it hard to believe God? This is a really good question, Stephen, and I'm going to jump right to the answer and say that yes, it's hard to believe God. 
But on the other hand, it shouldn't be. There are a lot of things in life that shouldn't be hard but are. And this, I guess, is just one of them. In fact, when you think about it, it should be really easy to believe God. And yet, it's not just hard to believe God, there's a sense in which it's actually pretty much impossible. So let's talk about that. First, ask yourself whether believing God should be hard. That's an important question to consider. The Bible says that God made the world and everything in it. It says that God reveals himself to us in everything that he created and that the whole creation testifies to him. Now, the Bible also records thousands and thousands of years of history, during which time God made thousands of promises, and he fulfilled them. That means that God has what we might call a track record. He does what he says he's going to do. Now, if everything in the world points to God and tells us who he is, and if all of history confirms that he does what he promises, should it be hard to believe him? It doesn't seem that way. In fact, it seems like it should be really, really easy. The hard thing would be not to believe him. But, in fact, it is hard to believe. That's why not everybody does. A lot of people will tell you that because it's hard to believe, maybe those things the Bible teaches aren't actually true. Maybe God didn't make everything. Maybe the world doesn't show us God. And maybe there are no fulfilled promises to rely on. That's what they say. Because if all these things were true, then it wouldn't be so hard to believe. The problem is, this leaves out something important that the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't just tell us about creation and about God's promises. It also tells us about the catastrophe of human sin and the consequences of that sin. One of those consequences is blindness. Because of our sin, we cannot see what is right in front of our eyes. The world reveals God to us in his glory, but we don't see it. The Bible tells us of his faithfulness, but sin pulls the curtain over all of that, hiding it from us. In other words, something that should be easy becomes hard because of sin. In fact, it becomes more than hard. The Bible teaches that human sin doesn't just blind us, it corrupts us. It changes our desires so that not only do we not see the truth, but we do not want to see the truth. The question is, why does anyone believe God? Some people will tell you that although sin makes it hard, if you're strong enough and you try hard enough, then you can still believe. The solution for human beings, according to this view, is to discipline ourselves, to overcome our sin, and to choose to believe God. Only people who do this will be saved. But whenever you hear someone talking like this, ask yourself this question. Doesn't that make salvation something you earn? If only strong, disciplined people are able to believe, aren't they saved because they are better than others, or they work harder, or they're more deserving in some way? That would make their faith into a kind of good work that saves them, which isn't what the Bible teaches. Instead, the Bible teaches salvation by grace, something God gives us freely, not something we earn through self-discipline. 
Believing God should be easy, but sin makes it hard, actually impossible. Yet what we cannot possibly do for ourselves, God gives us freely. His grace makes it possible to believe. That means that when we believe, we should never take credit for it. Instead, always give God the credit and be grateful for the gift of faith. Before we close, let's look at a few fun questions. Our first question comes from Susanna, who asks, Has Lori ever fallen asleep in your sermons? Well, Susanna, there's only one way to find out, and that's to ask her. Lori, have you ever fallen asleep in one of my sermons? Susanna, I am happy to report that I have not fallen asleep during any of Pastor Mark's sermons. There you go. I'm not surprised. It's hard for me to imagine anyone falling asleep in one of my sermons. And now Lydia asks, what's the worst thing your cat ever did? Well, the absolute worst thing that any of our cats ever did was our old cat, Hugo. Uh, He bit me and I got an infection from that bite and I had to go to the hospital. Fortunately, our current cats, Tilly and Georgie, haven't done anything that bad. The worst thing Tilly has done is pull a houseplant all the way out of its container. And the worst thing Georgie has done so far is to try to pull himself up the sleeve of one of my jackets hanging in the closet, which now has a bunch of pulls in the fabric. Thanks, Georgie. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Remember, if we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. Never be afraid to ask, and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will stand up to scrutiny. Until next time, keep asking The Big Questions.